You've seen those movies where they say, make my day, or I'm your worst nightmare. Well, listen to this one. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Ha! You didn't know I'm gonna say that, did you? Your move, creep. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the Film Feast podcast. I am your host Matt Bledsoe. Uh, this week we're kicking off a month-long series on the retro hero phenomenon of the early to mid '90s, um, and we're starting with 1990s Dick Tracy. To help me talk about it, I'm joined by someone I'm very happy to welcome back to the show. Uh, he's the host of the Cobwebs podcast. It's Daniel Epler. Daniel, how you doing? Hey, Matt. Uh, I'm I'm doing well. Thank you very much for having me back. I'm very excited to talk about Al Pacino. I mean Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy. <laughs> very excited to talk about that guy. Uh, Academy Award nominee for Dick Tracy, Al Pacino. <laughs> <laughs> that is a thing that happened in the real world. Yep. And you know what? I'm kind of happy about it because the Oscars <laughs> are a little too stuffy sometimes and you need um, need Al Pacino and Dick Tracy. <laughs> uh, we'll get into it. Yeah, he's he there's a lot of people trying to steal the show in Dick Tracy, I feel like. But he uh, I think he takes it from everyone. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, thank you for doing this. Uh, I'm I, I, you were just on recently. I'm glad to have you back so soon. Um, I feel like you're the perfect guy to kick off a series about retro heroes because you host a podcast about old movies. And I was like, it makes sense in my mind. It makes it all comes together. But um, yeah, this should be a ton of fun. Um, also, I should have thought of like funny nicknames for us before we started. Like in Dick Tracy, everyone has a <laughs> has a goofy, a goofy nickname associated with them. But I did not do it. So you can just call me Baldy or something. <laughs> Yeah, all the nicknames are insulting so well that's true that's probably why i shouldn't have done it you did it to yourself i didn't say anything i would have been like hey tall guy or something i don't know how do you know i'm tall i feel like it's come up before okay (laughs) i'm I'm six foot i'm not crazy tall oh for some reason okay this is uh, we're we're already off topic but for some reason i had thought you someone had said it like oh guys daniel's like really tall he's like six three six four I don't know why. <laughs> I think I know why people think this because they probably seen pictures of me and Chris and Chris is, well, he's not tall. Chris Hurtado, I mean, I'm talking about for anyone who doesn't know. I, yeah. And I had seen pictures and like whatever, whatever I had looked at it, I, I assumed, yeah, I was like, he looks really tall. Yeah. He's probably like six, three, six, four. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I guess you're stuck with Baldy then. I apologize. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, all good. It's all good. I, um... I buzz it myself. <laughs> So, yeah, so this, I like I said, this is going to be a, um, the first in a series for this month of June on um, on retro heroes, this very strange, uh, interesting phenomenon of post-Batman. It's like, what can we make the next big kind of hit tentpole thing? Uh, it's mostly misfires. <laughs> uh, Dick Tracy, I'm, I, can, I can safely say of the four we're going to talk about, did the best because um, then it's Dick Tracy, then we're doing The Rocketeer. Uh, the Shadow and the Phantom, uh, and I think that's kind of like a, a series of diminishing results. Or, <laughs> you know, um, it's a fun, uh, interesting time to look back on because it kind of feels like a thing that would 
never happen now and you don't even quite know how it happened back then <laughs> but uh, movie studios want to chase a trend and they sure did so um it'll be fascinating um i'm curious before we get into this are were you are you a fan of these kind of movies i know you're long you'll look yeah a little younger than me so i don't know if you were a fan of these kind of retro 90s movies when you were a kid or maybe later in life I am a fan of these retro movies, I would say, for the most part. Um, I did not grow up with them. I was not really aware of these movies when I was a kid. And I don't know why, because I was absolutely obsessed with, you know, Tim Burton's Batman. Um, I really liked all those first three Batman movies, even when I was, I think I was five years old when Batman and Robin came out. Even then I was like, this movie is bad. But, um, <laughs> wow. Well, five-year-old, I saw it. I remember my parents took me to see it in the theater. I think it was like my birthday or something. I have to double check the release date. And I remember just being like, that was very disappointing. Um, <laughs> but Batman, Batman Returns, Batman Forever, loved them all, obsessed with them all when I was a kid. And I was not aware of these movies. And I do wish that I was because it was actually a fun thing when I discovered them to kind of go through them. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear the rest of your series. And I'm actually very surprised to hear you say that the one that did the best was Dick Tracy. Because if you had asked me, I totally would have guessed The Rocketeer because that one seems of all of these like the most obvious textbook crowd pleaser movie. So I'm kind of surprised that one wasn't wasn't a big hit, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm double checking right now. I was going off my own memory and <laughs> it was, uh, sometimes it doesn't work out so well. But yeah, it. Um, yeah, I mean, it did. I don't know if this is even doing OK. It cost 35 million for The Rocketeer. It only made 46 Oh, geez, so definitely didn't really like the surprising. Didn't like the world on fire. Um, didn't lose money, but um, no, Dick Tracy, I believe, cost. I meant to look this up sooner, but that's okay. Uh, it's um like forty five million. It made well over a hundred million. I saw, yeah, but okay. they did pay an insane amount of marketing costs. So I don't know that it was actually that profitable. <laughs> that's true. Uh, cost forty seven to make. Yeah, worldwide made one hundred sixty two million dollars, which seems great. Um, the marketing was bananas. Like there was a marketing blitz for Dick Tracy, um, which I think they learned the lessons from Batman the year before. And they were trying to market it as hard as they marketed Batman 89 and thinking like this is going to pay off big time. And yeah, I don't I mean, that sounds like great on paper. I don't know how much they paid for marketing though, but um, yeah, I, you know, and I read some, somebody, I watched a video on YouTube, I was trying to watch up with Dick Tracy and someone called it like a, a failure disappointment. And I'm like, well, wait, by what measure? Because it seems like it was um, critically well-received and financially on paper, it did well. So um, the fact that it didn't spawn a franchise, I guess, I don't know. Like, um, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. We, we can talk more about it, but yeah, I just, it's, it's fascinating that it's like <laughs> this happens and then a few other ones come out. And then I think studios realize like it, maybe the kids don't want 30s and 40s radio and comic book heroes <laughs> like <laughs> i don't know i was into it uh for most of it so um yeah yeah so before we actually get more into Dick tracy here though i do want to ask you as we usually talk about um anything good you've seen lately um that you want to talk about yeah you know we, we were chatting a bit before the mic came before we turned on the mics that um most of what we both watch has been for podcasts because we're both keeping ourselves pretty busy on the mic <laughs> Um, but I, I have seen especially some new releases that I'm obviously not podcasting about, hosting a podcast on very old movies. Um, and I won't spend too much time on this one because I know you haven't had a chance to see it yet. But And I'm sure like a lot of people on this podcast are probably going to bring it up. Uh, but I did go see Top Gun Maverick yesterday. 
And um, yes, <laughs> yeah, it's it's like no question my favorite movie of the year so far. Oh, like I, man, <laughs> I'm just completely over the moon for it. And I, you know, if anybody listened to our episode on Days of Thunder, people might know that I was not a big fan of Top Gun. I think it's OK. Um, but this movie just improves on it in every way for me. Um, like I mentioned that I was not, a, I don't really like the character of Maverick in the first Top Gun. I just don't find him a very likable or even interesting person. And uh, after watching this movie, I feel like he's one of my favorite movie characters of all time. Like Tom Cruise wow. is spectacular <laughs> in this movie. And like Tom Cruise always brings it, but I feel like he's bringing in a special level of performance, not even just movie star charisma to this movie. Um, and he is such a lovable human being. Uh, the flight sequences are insanely good, just like these practical shot flight sequences that were so thrilling and exciting. And, and you know, I did realize it felt so nice to go see a big, thrilling blockbuster that was about people and is not about superheroes or spacemen or anything like that. Like, it's just about people in the Air Force. And, um, and it felt great. Like the emotion is so on point. Uh, Lady Gaga does a pop anthem at the, during the end credits that is incredible. And I was like, man, I miss when movies had theme songs like this just rules. So, so yeah, like I'm, I'm so excited for you to see it, Matt. Like I cannot imagine a universe in which you don't flip out for this movie, not to build your expectations up too much, but all right. Everyone else already built up expectations. So you're fine. Yeah. So I really love this movie. A big seal of approval from me for sure. Man, that's awesome. I'm so glad that you loved it so much. I mean, everybody that I've heard talk about it is like in love with it. Like um, Hayden and Mark both saw it already and they were talking about it. It's like, guys, you're killing me because I can't see it Tuesday. <laughs> Are you like, waiting on friends or something? I wait on my girlfriend. Yeah, like uh, she's yeah. out of town. And uh, it was funny because uh, she didn't think she wanted to see it. Like we talked about it last week. Uh, before it came out and I was like do you want to see Top Gun Maverick and understandably she said I don't really like Tom Cruise as a person <laughs> which I am I can separate Tom Cruise the the he person and Tom Cruise the movie star pretty easily um but I know some people can't uh the Scientology thing and all that um but and then you know what's funny then all the good praise started to come out and she's like you know what I do want to see Top Gun Maverick <laughs> so um so yeah that uh I, by the time that people will hear this, I will have seen Top Gun Maverick, thankfully. Uh, I'm expecting to love it. I mean, it, it's everyone is like losing their minds over it. Um, I'm hearing sort of people like applauding at, you know, the parts and standing ovations at the end of the movie. <laughs> and like, and like, normal, not, like not at like kind, but like normal movie theaters, not like at film festivals. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, I can't wait. Also, that Lady Gaga song is pretty awesome. I listened to it last night and I was like, oh, this oh is nice. It's a, a really good song. <laughs> um, it feels like, it does feel like a throwback to, a different kind of blockbuster that had a whole kind of different campaign around it, like having a yeah. big pop song and like built on a movie star. Like it's, it's so funny. That's a throwback, now, but, but it, it, it does feel different. It's, and people seem, I heard it's going to make a ton of money, like blow out their uh, box office expectations. So um, that's so great to hear. Yeah. I'm glad people are actually seeing it because I, again, I know it's a legacy sequel, so it's not like, a, it's not like an original IP or anything, but it still feels like a win in a way, you know, like oh, big time, like, yeah. So I'm, 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 you know, so excited. I'm sure I'll talk about it on the next episode um, after I've seen it. And yeah, I, if I don't love it, I'll be more shocked than anybody. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty hyped because I get, I made on, on the episode with Top Gun with Chris Rotato, Um, we both were not very high on Top Gun. <laughs> it's just not been my, those are not my Tony Scott movies like Top Gun and Days of Thunder, even though I think they're both very well made, but like, yeah, but I'm, so I'm excited for the sequels. It seemed like it kind of, 
I don't know, like it's different than the original. And I don't know, it just seems like it kind of will do something that I like more than, <laughs> I don't know how to put it, but it, I, I feel like I'm gonna like this more than the original for sure. So. Yeah, I'd be surprised if you didn't. I, I had a thought watching this and I'm curious what you think about it. Of all the people that are making movies today that are involved in, in Hollywood, I feel like when Tom Cruise stops making movies, it's going to be the biggest loss. Like I am such a fan of how he is keeping so much about old fashioned, exciting, practical action blockbusters alive. And, you know, like people like Christopher Nolan are doing it too, but they're not as focused on like entertainment for everyone as Tom Cruise is. Like, I just feel like he, he works so hard at just making solid, great movies for everybody to enjoy. And I don't know that anybody will ever replace him, you know, like he's just so important today. Yeah. It's hard to imagine because it's a, it's a few things. It's like someone would have to reach his star power level, which seems tougher and tougher these days and have to get all kinds of the power to kind of help produce movies and be very hands-on with creative. And they'd have to want to say, oh, I want to do these stunts practically. You know what I mean? Or I want to do as much as we can for real, which I feel like also will be a, you know, more and more of a lost art. Um, I don't know if you saw the Mission Impossible trailer before your uh, Top Gun screening. Oh, I haven't yet. No. Oh, you haven't seen the Okay. Great trailer. I believe there's a part where I think, and there was like behind the scenes footage of this when they were shooting it, where like Tom Cruise literally, I think this really happened, drove a motorcycle off a cliff and then parachuted down or something. I maybe <laughs> like, like he really was like, I'm going to drive this motorcycle. I don't know. I may be making this up. That seems way too dangerous, but it is Tom Cruise. So no, probably, I believe it. I, I believe mean, it yeah. with Tom Cruise. <laughs> he's like, I will do all this crazy shit. I mean, I definitely appreciate that about him. Um, yeah, he's like the last big movie star with that kind of power and influence is what it feels like i can't yeah i don't know who else could come along and 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 do all that so yeah yeah i don't know i mean he's is he 60 now i believe he's like he's 59 i believe okay yeah i mean i don't know it's gonna be interesting how much longer he just keeps going with this stuff so um yeah i have no (laughs) i don't know but uh yeah definitely he's definitely different um this is why i can't i appreciate as much as a movie star even though like disagree with his personal stuff but you know it's 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 two different things i think but um but yeah i'm so excited to see top gun maverick <laughs> like um I, the, the wait still killing me i got two more days from when we're recording this so i'm just trying to to ignore it and you know hopefully get here faster yeah man yeah like i've i don't know a ton about tom cruise personally like a lot um i know scientology sucks no arguments about that but pretty much everything i do know about him i love like mm-hmm. i just I don't know. Like I know Scientology sucks, but also like my family is involved in a religion that I also disagree with, you know, just being like, you know, Midwest Christianity. Um, and I realize I'm not quite comparing the two, but there are a lot of religions I have, I strongly disagree with. I just love Tom Cruise. Like, and if people want to like, if people have like reasons why I should hate Tom Cruise, I don't want to know. Like I just, (laughs) I've never before made a claim about who my favorite actor is because I could never decide. But I've never considered Tom Cruise before, but I started considering it after Top Gun Maverick. I was like, damn, wow. do I love anybody this much? That's that's high praise that. Yeah. Um, wow. I don't know yet. I mean, he's he's out there. He's had some really great performances, too. It's like people forget, um, especially in the late 90s. I feel like he was doing some great stuff. He was an Eyes Wide Shut and Magnolia in the same year. And I feel like those are two of his best performances. Um, and of course all the action stuff he's done throughout the years. It's like, um, he's good. He's good. Um, 
I, I can never fault anybody for, you know, not wanting to support somebody. Like if that's their personal and like for, totally, and if you just yeah. like, you know what I mean? It's like, whatever, whatever you want to do, <laughs> you know, if you want to support them, do it. If you don't, that's fine. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I get it. I'm with, I'm conquerors and movie stars pretty amazing like i love the mission impossible movies um yeah i mean I, you know i'm with you on that so um so glad that you loved it so much that's pretty great absolutely um and did you since it's on disney plus did you have a chance to watch obi-wan yet i know it's not a film but you know it's, it's adjacent <laughs> fair enough uh i did and i did watch it so i'm glad you brought it up because i'm really liking it so far yeah, me too, man. Like I, I am a fan of the prequels actually was not as a kid. Um, I've come around on them as an adult. And even though technically, of course, a new hope is technically the sequel to the prequels. This feels like the sequel to the prequels we've never had before. And I'm super, super happy with it so far. Yeah, I really like it. Um, I think I've seen most people like it. I saw a few people kind of bagging on it for stuff. I think mostly about how it looks or how it's shot or something. But I'm like, I don't know. I've been enjoying I love it. how it looks. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, people always find, you know, those shows to <laughs> to kind of rag on for like, oh, this looks cheap or this doesn't look that great or something, you know? So um, I don't know. I just having fun with it. And it's funny because there's a montage that, that starts off the first episode of like, I don't think it's a spoiler, say Anakin and Obi-Wan's like friendship, relationship. Um, and it kind of, it, after it was over, I was like, oh man, do I love the prequels? Yeah, baby. <laughs> Rewatch them. <laughs> I'm going to, I did rewatch them. I think before rise of Skywalker, I did a whole rewatch of all oh, the star cool. Wars movies from like start to finish. And I still can't get on board with one and two. I can get on board with parts of one and two. Okay. Um, but I, I, I can't, I just, I'm like, there's so much I dislike. It's, it's frustrating because I was telling my friend, I was like, especially in Phantom Menace, there's stuff that there are literal scenes that I'm watching going, Oh, this is good. This is a good act. And then like Jar Jar Binks storms in and is like, oh, be so clumsy. And I'm like, God damn it, Jar Jar. <laughs> like, like a good scene will be happy. And then they throw Jar Jar in to ruin it. And I'm like, oh my God. It's like, it's infuriating because I'm like, something good was happening here. And then something crappy, you know, uh, cancels it out. And, uh, but I think the third one is pr still pretty great. Like, I think that I've always thought that one was good, even since the theaters when I saw it in 05. Um, so I just, the first two, <laughs> Phantom Man, Stack of the Clones, I can't, I can't, I just still can't get on board with completely. There's things I like in them, but, um, but I watched that little montage and I was like, oh my God, are the prequels amazing? <laughs> when they boil down their relationship to like the best kind of moments, I guess you're like, oh, this is great. Um, so yeah, I, I've been enjoying Obi-Wan. I'm curious to see where it goes. Um, I haven't watched Stranger Things yet though. I never, that's the other thing that came out the past weekend with Stranger Things and I, haven't even begun because I look at the run times. I'm like, well, that's a movie. <laughs> oh yeah. It's a movie per episode. Basically movie per episode. Yeah. It's like, Oh God. I was like, this is too much work. Stranger thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> have you watched any of those all yet? Yeah. I watched episode one. It's funny. It is at least by the end, it is such a blatant direct nightmare in Elm street ripoff, even mm. down to the fact that Robert England is playing the monster and he sounds like Freddy Krueger. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I've been waiting so ridiculously long for a new Nightmare on Elm Street movie that I don't even care. I'm like, I'll take this. <laughs> like, if you won't give me real Freddy, like, I'll take Stranger Things fake Freddy. That's fine. <laughs> I'll take discount Freddy. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's interesting. I am surprised they have not rebooted that franchise yet. Because I don't it's think so that's... weird. That's not a rights issue like Friday the 13th, right? That's just... Uh, I'm pretty sure. It's just a thing where they just haven't done it. I mean, they tried it in 2010, 09. I can't remember. 2010. And, I do not like that movie. So I'm like, you could try again. No one will 
no one will remember that last one. Just, just, just reboot it again. So, um, I don't know. I, yeah, that I'm kind of curious now that you told me that like Robert England's basically doing a Freddy Krueger thing now. I'm kind of more interested than I have been in checking that out. So, oh man. Um, any other any other movies you want to talk about, or was it just? It was... Uh, did you watch Chippendale Rescue Rangers? Oh, I haven't had a chance to watch that either, and I've heard very good things. I heard it's very funny. It's a good time. Yeah. Like it's basically who framed Roger Rabbit, not as good as who framed Roger Rabbit, but it's very funny. I mean, it's pretty much the Lonely Island guys made a kid's movie and <laughs> it, you know, it's not as funny as something like pop star, but it is very, very funny. A lot of great jokes. Um, you know, it's packed with pop culture references and cameos, which might be the kind of thing that I would roll my eyes at. But when the jokes are as funny as they are, I totally roll with it. Like there's a great joke about how, one of I think it's Dale, the one that John Mulaney voices, like hates the Alvin and the Chipmunks because they're rapping in their new movies. And then there's a great then then you know that like Chip and Dale are gonna have to rap at some point. So of course they do, but it's so bad that it's <laughs> hilarious. So like it's just packed with great pop culture references. Ugly Sonic is in it. Um, Ugly Sonic <laughs> now has more cultural relevance than real Sonic. You heard it here first. And um, it's it's very funny. I, I thought it was a good time. It's nothing with substance, but if you feel like just laughing, I think it's a good one to pop on. Okay. Yeah. I just, I, again, I really want to watch it, but I just have had time. Um, Cause as we'll, I, we talk about like the last episode I did, the one with Carmelita was like, I had to watch all these nineties movies to prepare for that. And then the one with Patrick, I was watching all the, um, movies from those directors i was cramming like all these movies in so i feel like i've watched hardly anything else that's uh outside of the past like research the past two episodes um or stuff for the stuff we're doing today so <laughs> i've had very little time to watch anything else but one one day i will throw on chip and dale because yeah I, I like the lonely island guys a lot i love hot rod and pop star um so i'm excited to see that one yeah no, no big rush but like okay. i said <laughs> just feel like turn your brain off laughing good one um, I'll only talk about one more because it's one that I, I thought maybe I was kind of watching for extra research for a cobwebs episode that we're doing together. Or I think by the time this posts, it'll actually be posted. Um, but I don't think I'm going to talk about it. So I watched day of the outlaw from 1959, which is a Western that's directed by Andra De Andre de Toth. And, um, it is one of the darkest fifties Westerns I've seen, and it is amazing. So it's starring Robert Ryan and something very cool about it is when the movie opens up, you feel like Robert Ryan is the bad guy. Mm -hmm. He's this guy that owns all this land. Um, and then this other guy in town wants to move his, needs to move his cattle through the land. And Robert Ryan won't let him without charging him tons of money. And if we find out Robert Ryan uh, used to be sleeping with the guy's wife and what still wants her, even though she won't cheat on her husband anymore. Um, so these guys are about to have a shootout and you definitely feel like, well, Robert Ryan is the bad guy. He's the asshole in this situation. And then right as they're about to kill each other, Burl Ives and his gang burst into the saloon and they are the most detestable evil men that could like possibly exist in the old West. Uh, they are there just to stay for a little while and then they're going to move on. But all of Burl Ives men are, they're like Vikings in the Northmen. Like they just want to assault all of the women, kill all of the men and basically burn the town to the ground. And the only thing stopping them is Burl Ives who wants to keep the peace long enough so that they can move on without getting caught by the law. But Burl Ives is shot 
so the doctor basically has to keep Burl Ives alive so that because if he dies, then Burl Ives' men are going to destroy the entire town. And Robert Ryan, who was the bad guy, is basically now forced into the hero situation because he's an asshole. But as Star-Lord might say, he's not 100% a dick. <laughs> and uh, it's such a cool movie, man. Like it is such an interesting battle of wills between bad guys and badder guys. And uh Loved it. Love this movie. Can't recommend it enough. Oh, and thanks to um, Preston Mitchell, because he's the one that recommended this to me. Oh, nice. Yeah, that does sound really amazing. Uh, it sounds very dark, too, for um, it was a 50s Western, right? 59, 50s. so barely. 50. Okay. Um, yeah, it's it's on my list. I must have had it from, <laughs> from you guys talking about it or hearing hearing about it. Um, it yeah, that sounds very cool. Um, I feel like it's I, my this episode will come out june 6th so do you know if the cobwebs will be out before that it will be out yeah okay because sure. we're doing i can say that we're doing an episode on the gunfighter gregory peck and i feel like maybe i was looking at daily outlaw as an option for that possibly oh, <laughs> i don't cool. um so yeah uh definitely need to check that out at some point maybe i could do that for western day for june exploitation so it would be yeah good june exploitation movie for the 50s for sure okay nice um uh anything else that was the last thing right yeah, yeah, I'm good. Okay. Um, some good recommendations there, though. So um, I only have two, like we said, lots of research watching So um, for podcasts. So uh, very random. I watched a movie called Grand Piano with Elijah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, it's been on my list forever. And then I still listen to the podcast, How Did This Get Made? Which is like, uh, you know, I know people don't like that because they kind of, the idea is to kind of crap on bad movies. and But sometimes they watch stuff and they're just like, oh, this is awesome. What are we talking about? But they watched Grand Piano. And I was like, oh, Grand Piano. I've heard of that. I should probably watch that before I listen to their podcast. Um, I thought it was okay. I thought like Grand Piano is basically the story of Elijah Wood. Uh, he's a piano player who kind of quit playing publicly because uh, he has terrible stage frights and um, doesn't want to play anymore and kind of gets pulled back out um, to perform again after a few years. And once he sits down at the piano, he finds out that there is a sniper in the uh, concert hall who's got a gun on him, uh, who's the, vo the voice is John Cusack. It's very much like Phone Booth with Colin Farrell. If you've seen Phone Booth, like it's very much that scenario where it's like he's on the phone with John Cusack is in his ear and he's like telling him what to do and like basically saying like, don't stop playing or I'll shoot you. And, and Elijah Wood is trying obviously the whole time to figure out some way to w tell someone he's in trouble or get out of the situation. Um, it's absurd. It is like, it's like, I haven't watched a movie in so long where I had to really, really suspend disbelief to a point where I was like, this is, this is ludicrous. <laughs> like um, it has some decent style. I feel like they're, they're trying to do like a De Palma type thing. Sometimes some of the shots, um, uh, sometimes it looks good. Sometimes some of the shots look terrible because I think they had to do like a, a kind of a computer imagery. Like they had to kind of impose things to put things together, uh, like like a real concert hall and like a fake green screen concert hall and doesn't look great. Um, uh, it's who else in it? Um, Alex Winter of Bill and Ted randomly shows up as like a security guy. Um, the Twitter follow Alex Winter. He's a great Twitter fall. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, it's a thriller that's, it's fairly tense from time to time. Um, 
I'm trying to think what I'll say about it. I mean, Elijah Wood's pretty good at playing like paranoid panicky. I think he's got, you can see it in his eyes. And he's like, he's, he's got, he's good at playing like a twitchy paranoid guy. Um, I, you know, it was fine. I thought it was okay. I, funny enough, written by Damien Chazelle. Oh yeah. Only written by him, not directed by him. Um, which is funny because he then whiplash comes out so it's always like musicians under pressure i guess is his thing <laughs> but um but yeah i mean it's it's you know it's interesting it's okay it's it's i get it's so absurd like i really had a hard time kind of being like okay movie i can only put up with so much ridiculousness <laughs> so um but yeah you know i don't know if, if you're bored or something and come across it and maybe you're interested you know it's very short it's you think it's an hour 30 I love this. And it has like 12 minutes of credits. <laughs> Cause wow. I was like, I was like, this seems over. And then the credits are rolling. I'm like, wait, there's 12 minutes of credits. What is a Marvel movie? Dick like, Tracy's kind of like that too. Oh, it does have a long, it does have long <laughs> credits. Um, it was weird. I was like, Oh, okay. I guess that's great. We're done 12 minutes early, but um, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. So um, something else I watched that I would probably say is fine. Maybe not even fine, but uh, <laughs> um uh alex garland's new movie called men you've seen heard about this seen the previews no i was like excited for it because alex garland and now i can't get up the motivation to go see it i don't know for some reason the fact that it's only two people and i don't really know the actors i'm like this if this is boring it's gonna be really boring and i i just haven't (laughs) gone yeah you're fine i would say (laughs) okay and like with most movies now i mean i'm sure it'll be at you'll be able to get it home and like a month or two right you know probably so, yeah. um it's i went to the theater because i really i loved annihilation by alex garland and i i like ex machina but i don't think i like ex machina as most as much as most people do but i same I think boat dude oh same boat oh, great okay yeah so finally i feel like everyone's like they like ex machina more than annihilation i'm like i don't know that's annihilation is more my jam but um but i think well, it's me, very t- yeah okay oh, so, let me just say real quick my thing with ex machina is i saw it in theaters and i loved it and then I rewatched it at home. And after knowing the ending, it drove me insane how stupid Dom Hulk Gleason is in that movie. Like he is the <laughs> dumbest man alive. And it drove me nuts watching it. Oh, I, I have not rewatched it. So that would be fascinating knowing, going back into it and seeing how stupid he is, I guess. But um, I think I remember kind of thinking he was stupid at the time, but maybe I don't, maybe I'm remembering that wrong because I know what the twist was. But um but I like both. I think Alex Allen's a very talented director, very talented writer. Um, so I was very excited for men. And people were saying like, the stuff they were saying about men actually got me more excited because they were saying like, oh, if there was ever a movie to get like an F cinema score, it's men <laughs> because it is not a crowd pleaser. People were saying it has an insane ending. I'm like, oh, I love batshit endings. Like, um, sign me up. Like, <laughs> you know, and it is very boring for a long stretch of it. I feel like there's like a, I may be imagining this, but I felt there's like a 20 minute stretch where you watch the lead actress, Jesse Buckley, just walk around the forest and it looks nice, but I'm like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, um, and I, you know, it's, there's Roy Kinnear plays, it, it's, it's confusing because Roy Kinnear plays basically every man in the town is Rory Kinnear, the actor. When you see the face, it's him, but slightly different. Like, um, he, so, okay, let me back up. So Jesse Buckley plays a woman, uh, goes on a vacation, like an English countryside, a little cottage, because she had a tragedy that involved her husband. Um, and that whole backstory is more complicated than it seems at first with her and her husband, which I actually thought was pretty interesting, but they don't give enough service to 
what was going on with Jesse Buckley and her husband um, that led up to the tragedy. And uh, so then she goes to this countryside cottage to kind of, I guess, unwind and kind of get away from things. And, you know, and Rory Kinnear, she meets him. He's like the kind of groundskeeper. He's like, it's the most toothy performance I've ever seen. There's so much teeth. He's got like, <laughs> I'm like, so much teeth acting. Uh, very British. Um, like he just, he's kind of creepy in a, in, but he's like polite. It's a weird thing. Um, gives you creepy vibes. And like every face you see after that is still Rory Kinnear. There's even like a, a teenage boy who they kind of like put his face on and it's a really weird effect. And I don't think it's even weird in like a, a way that's kind of creepy. I think it just kind of looks kind of bad, honestly. And uh, I mean, there's some weird stuff. The ending is pretty bonkers when it gets to it, but it like, at that point, I kind of felt like I didn't care anymore. And it was so ridiculous that I'm like, am I supposed to be laughing at what's happening right now? Because like the same, how do I say that's one like, the same action is like repeated multiple times and like it kept happening. And I'm like, is this supposed to be funny? Like, it's, like it, um, it's so absurd and so ridiculous. And I don't know. It's just kind of a mess of a movie that doesn't come together. I think Jesse Buckley's pretty good with what she has to do, but it's not much. And I feel like Alex Garland, the message behind it is like very simple. And I don't think he put much thought into, you know, how women deal with men and all these things. I think the movie thinks it's smarter than it is. It kind of felt kind of hollow. Um, you know, it's like, it looks nice, but it doesn't really have much to say basically. And yeah, I, I don't know. I was very disappointed with, with that movie with men. So. Yeah. I haven't heard much praise for this one. So no. I think I'm definitely <laughs> going to wait till it comes home. Let me ask, um, this guy's face put onto a teenage boy better <laughs> or worse than skinny Chris Evans and captain America one. <laughs> you know what? Uh, Ooh, boy, maybe about the same. Okay. <laughs> Maybe slightly better. I don't know. It's, it's disconcerting in, uh, in men. I'm like, Oh, I don't like that. Um, the one I <laughs> forgot about that. Um, yeah, it's real weird in Captain America, isn't it? How they do that. <laughs> so, um, this is probably a little better than that, but, um, yeah, it, I don't know. It just, the, the movie did not come together and it's disappointing. Cause I feel like it had potential. Um, yeah, it just, it's just not there. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, that was really all I had was just those two. Cause like, yeah, everything else has been for other stuff. So, um, I guess we could just jump into talking about Dick Tracy now. So, um, I want to ask you, um, when you first saw this, cause you're a little younger than me, I have a whole backstory with Dick Tracy. <laughs> um, but I'm curious when you first saw Dick Tracy. Okay. Um, <laughs> I feel like when I say this, some people listening are going to get mad. So let me explain it oh with an analogy. <laughs> So you know how sometimes you have a friend, but the two of you are only really friends because of a mutual friend. And when the three of you are hanging out, like, it's great. Um, but then when it's just the two of you, you're like, huh, are we friends? Oh, yeah. In this yeah. situation, the mutual <laughs> friend is Keith Rich and the friend is Dick Tracy, because I don't know if you remember this. But the reason I'm here is because Keith Rich suggested that the three of us do this Dick Tracy podcast together. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. That'd be cool. Like, I, I don't have much of a history with Dick Tracy, but I, I like, you know, I have some 40s noir knowledge. I could bring that to the table. It'll be good. Uh, but then Keith backed out. So it's just me. And I had only seen this movie before during F This Movie Fest. 
Oh, it's the only time you've seen it? That's it. So oh. leading up to this podcast was my second time. So I am sorry if that is a disappointment. <laughs> I didn't know this. I'm so sorry. I uh, I mean, Keith got super busy. He was on tour with his band. And uh, I almost, I hope, I'm sure Keith's listening. Uh, sorry, Keith, if you, like he may, I don't know if he could have jumped onto this or not. I almost thought to message him and say, and just see where he was at and say, Keith, do you want to jump on? We're doing Dick Tracy at like this time on Sunday morning. Um, but me and Keith are doing another episode that's also a like 90s, kids staple we're doing the ninja turtles trilogy at some point so oh, that's I, awesome i feel like that's a pretty great consolation prize if he if he sad he missed dick tracy um he gets a ninja turtles instead so you know that was my childhood basically <laughs> it's like ninja turtles dick tracy um i didn't know this i thought you were like a big fan of this so is that are you, is this your way of telling me you're not a huge dick tracy fan <laughs> I am not a huge Dick Tracy fan, but I also don't dislike it. Okay. Um, and there are lots of things to say. So I'm not worried about just like shrugging my shoulders for an hour. <laughs> yeah. I imagine it'd be hard to be in neutral or at a loss for Dick Tracy. Cause there's a lot to discuss. I think even if you, uh, you don't like it. Well, I, this is okay. Cause I got plenty of things to say and I love Dick Tracy. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like, cool. Um, and this, I think is where like the, uh, because I don't think we're that far apart in age, but this is where I feel like the age gap feels like it's like the Grand Canyon because, <laughs> um, I mean, I was very young in 1990. I was, I would have turned three in the middle of 90. So um, Dick Tracy is like legitimately one of my earliest like movie memories. It, it, it feels like it's baked into my DNA <laughs> because, because I saw it so young um, and you watch it so many times. Like I, before the episode comes out, this episode comes out, I'm going to try to ask my mom, if she can find uh, some old photos of me. Cause I, I had like preschool photos taken like in a, like a Dick Tracy shirt. Like I was like Dick Tracy geared out. I feel like, I think I had like the little toy Dick Tracy watch. Um, I, I have to, I know there's like, there was a photo of the mantle for years of me in preschool, like with my Dick Tracy shirt. Like I had all the toys, um, I was so into it. And I'm watching it again thinking like, well, of course a child would respond to this. It's like all primary colors and it's like um, almost, you know, um, it's almost like a, a living cartoon, like in a way. And, uh, but then there's other, we'll get into this. I'm sure there's other weird stuff that makes it feel like, like, even though the, the audience feels like it's definitely children, there's stuff that feels like, well, was this for children? <laughs> Like Madonna, <laughs> everything. Madonna's with, boobs. Madonna's boobs, which are full on. It's like it's just. I was like, oh, those are nipples. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> like, I guess on the old crappy VHS uh, transfer I had back in the day, you probably couldn't even see that or something. But in HD, <laughs> it's like, oh, there they are. I was like, this is a PG movie for children. And then Madonna's like, I gotta have my boobs out. <laughs> like, or Warren Beatty, who was dating her at the time, was like, you should wear that sheer robe, Madonna. <laughs> Like, he probably did. Very weird. I, I, oh boy, I don't, I, I don't want to jump right into this, but I feel like I have to now that I, and this came up a lot during this Movie Fest with Madonna and Dick Tracy. She feels like, I, it, say she's in a different movie or she's at odds with the movie she's in. Would you agree with that? Yeah, you know, she's kind of a disappointment to me because, and I, and I will just say, I'm overall a, a fan of Madonna. Um, it is, I actually sort of recently started listening to like her 80s stuff and I'm a big fan of it. Like I think it's just textbook bop and pop music. Um, and I think she's a good actress too. Uh, but I think what really lets her down in this movie is the dialogue. 
because I think about scenes from actual 1940s noir, like let's say out of the past, for instance, and they're able to accomplish so much sexual tension under the Hays Code. And like the dialogue is so interesting and witty and the innuendo is under the surface, but it totally hits. Um, and then in this movie, like her, all of her dialogue is just like, I want to have sex. <laughs> and and how she and I was thinking like she's a really bad seductress because her her tactic is like, well, let me literally stick my ass in your face by getting up on your desk. And I'm like, surely we can do better. Like we can have more interesting sexual tension than just here's my ass literally in your face. Um, and I think, you know, I don't really think it's her fault. I think the dialogue in the script lets her down a bit. I would agree. She has some weird lines Something about she shows up and oh, what did she say to Warren Beatty when she comes to his apartment? It's about like ice cream is melting and you better get it. It's, 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 like, <laughs> it's I don't know. I was like, good Lord. She's just, she's just throwing it, throwing herself at him. But uh, um, yeah, this time it, it kind of bothered me. I know that came up a lot during when I was tweeting about it. And, you know, it's weird to watch something kind of with people's commentary that you've watched and live with for so long because like you think of it as I think kind of one way and then people pointing out things you've never even thought of and I was like oh yeah Madonna is kind of like weirdly out of place here <laughs> and like um she's very beautiful I mean obviously uh she just has this like the very like a very sexual energy that I thought was interesting like she whenever she's even with like other people like there's a scene when um when Madonna shows up to the, or she's at the apartment and then Tess and the kid come home and I'm like, you shouldn't even be around these other people. You feel like, like you, don't even, <laughs> you should not be in the scene with the kid. Get away. You know, like it just feels weird. And I, I'm sure some of it comes down to like the fact that Warren Beatty and her were dating. So I feel like, yeah, it feels like he's giving her all this other stuff to do in the movie. I don't know. It's like, he's, I don't know. It's weird. It's like, he's trying to give her these lines and make her, you know, the, the big like sex part of the movie, but I don't think they're very good lines and they're not subtle at all. Like you're, there's some brilliantly written lines back in those like forties noirs, but um, her stuff's not great. Yeah. And she just, when she gets up on the, the desk, it's just like, what is happening right now? <laughs> like, and it's so fast. She's been there for like a minute and a half. Like right. give it some time. Like try some other things first. <laughs> it's your Madonna. You can do it. I promise. Right. You're You got this. You can do this. Madonna. <laughs> it's it's so it's so strange um like because everyone else i think I, I was thinking like yeah everybody else feels like they're a part of the same piece uh even the villains the kid tess uh, dick tracy warren Beatty. but like madonna just feels like she just sticks out to me like a sore thumb um it's very bizarre but <laughs> um but yeah i mean i so yeah back to like it's so funny that you've seen this twice and i've seen this so many times i was three so we're approaching this from like vastly different perspectives <laughs> and like um it it plays like plays like gangbusters to a three-year-old it still plays great to me now <laughs> because <laughs> um even when it came out i mean it, 1990 i felt like nothing else really looked like this movie and nowadays like nothing looks like this movie like that's probably I mean, I imagine maybe the thing we'll both agree on that's the best thing about it is the the visuals and the look of the whole thing because it looks so unique and so, I think, just beautiful, honestly. 
Oh man, absolutely. And like the only movie I can really compare the look to is Guys and Dolls, the 1950s adaption of the Broadway musical with um, Marlon Brando. Uh, that movie is stunning to look at and is the only movie I've ever seen that kind of looks like Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy is still more impressive because they've got a lot more technology to work with. And it leads me to like kind of my first hot take about the movie is I actually think this movie should be a full-blown musical. I think more than any movie I've ever seen, this cinematically captures what it looks like to look at a Broadway set because it does feel like you're looking at a set, but not in a way like the movie feels stagey. The movie still incredibly, it still finds a way to be very cinematic, which I think is so impressive. And my favorite parts of the movie are honestly when they're singing and when there's like musical sequences, I think that's where the movie shines the most. And I think it's where the visuals fit the, fit the movie the most. Um, so I kind of, I kind of wish people were singing all through this movie, but <laughs> I know you're not the musical fan that I am. So I'm sure you disagree with that. I was going to say, you know, I'm not a musical guy, but I see your point. I feel like it's, it's weird. I have, I'm very particular about my like things with musicals. I feel like this is so stupid, but like the, like in this movie, I feel like it's Madonna as this like lounge singer performing songs and there's montages usually happening. Um, which weirdly I'm okay with. I have a weird problem with like a musical people bust into song, like when they're on the street and it's like everyone around acts like it's normal. <laughs> like, if Fucking that makes... love that. <laughs> I, figured, I figured you did. I mean, for some reason that's always like really bothered me, but I'm okay with a movie that like where the songs are uh, in the context of them being actual songs, like that are being sung, if that makes sense. Like, the, like, um, but I, I just can't get on board with like <laughs> the people like busting into the song. I don't know. I, you know, now I sound like a real like grump. I feel like where I'm like, I hate people joyfully bust into song, <laughs> but um, I don't know. It, it weirdly, I just can't get into it when that happens, but I'm okay with it here because um, it, I think if I'm mistaken, it's like, it's all in the context of um, yes. Yeah. Of yeah, people singing songs. So in that case, I'm totally cool with it. That's my weird, like, <laughs> like line that I draw is like if their songs mean song I'm fine with it if they're people busting into song and it's supposed to not be a thing then you know it bothers me I don't know but there are a lot of musical numbers I had forgotten about this <laughs> like, yeah and like another reason that I think they're my favorite parts is because Stephen Sondheim wrote them and I think they're all great I mean no surprise Sondheim is one of the greatest songwriters who ever lived um, every song is awesome I love the montage of I Always Get My Man because the song's great. Madonna sings it beautifully. She has an incredible voice, obviously. And the montage of Dick Tracy just kicking ass around. Oh my God. Um, yep. Including the <laughs> shot where he punches like 10 guys at once, yes. all to this amazing Sondheim song. I'm like, this is cinema. Like, this just rules. <laughs> yes, I actually totally agree with you. I was going to ask you for a montage, and we agree. That's my favorite montage, too, is because that song is great. Um, I love, yeah, the visual of like, uh, Dick Tracy running around and just like busting on guys and it's um, I love there's one I just laugh because he's like in a behind comes up finding like some giant like, like a meat or something like frozen meat and I'm like you guys didn't see the guy in the giant yellow coat back there <laughs> like um, <laughs> the guy it's hard for him to be inconspicuous in his giant yellow coat but um, but and then, yeah oh my god the shot when he punches like 10 guys at once is like so good and so the kind of ridiculous thing that I feel like other uh, comic book movies are, a, are kind of scared to do now to be that 
over the top and that kind of i mean comic booky for lack of a better word <laughs> like um i think it's so much fun i think it's a blast <laughs> oh yeah i mean this is a movie uh, this is a comic book movie that was made before people knew what the hell a comic book movie was right <laughs> so there's not much of a template um other than batman really and you know of course superman but i don't think this movie's taken almost any influence from superman and uh and i think warren Beatty is just like well, like, I like this comic book, so we're just going to do that. So, like, I want it to look like the comic book. I want all the bad guys to look like the guys in this comic strip. I want the colors to be like that. And I want crazy, over-the-top, nonsensical things to happen, like, in a comic book. I'm like, we're just going to do it. Whereas if this was made today, like, it would, they would bring this much more to a lot more realism. But they didn't care about that by this point. And... It's the most interesting thing about the movie. So I definitely don't think they made a mistake there. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. I uh, I feel like if it hadn't looked as kind of wild and uh, bold and colorful as it did, it probably would not be remembered much at all. If they kind of went with some, there's a, there a different version of this. It's funny because I didn't know the history of this movie. I kind of thought like, they saw Batman or knew Batman was coming and they just like turned this around immediately. They're like, we got to get something. We got Dick Tracy. But I was watching this video on it. Apparently they bought the, the studio bought the rights to the Dick Tracy comic strip right after the first Superman movie came out. Because it was even before 1975 is when this was started development. Oh, see, okay. Maybe that video I watched was wrong because the, the video I saw, the, yeah, the guy said something like they, they'd bought it right after and the, the thing set in development for like, you know, almost a whole decade. And then uh, Walter Hill almost did a version of it. I saw. Which, and Walter, did. Walter Hill wanted to do like a, a gritty crime thing, which makes sense for Walter Hill. And then Warren Beatty was the one that disagreed, which is probably for the best, because I don't think a gritty <laughs> Dick Tracy like is as memorable as what we got with the Warren Beatty Dick Tracy. And uh, God bless him. Warren Beatty was like, fuck it. Let's <laughs> let's just go all out on this being you know, based on a comic strip. And I'm going to make all these guys look as ridiculous. As they do in the comic like flat top and um I believe the guy's name is little face or tiny face or something yeah and there's right. prune face prune Tons face of crazy stuff there's uh the guy in the beginning it's like the, he gets shot right at the beginning the guy with the giant kind of looks like a giant head a tiny face it's a great effect <laughs> yeah. um the makeup effects are amazing in this too like they went all out on and i cannot believe how many guys that warren Beatty like big actors warren Beatty got to sign up for this and get put in makeup for hours a day <laughs> like I'm like how many favors do they owe you warren <laughs> like, <laughs> uh it's like they come in and sit in there for hours and, and do makeup and um like james Kahn shows up for a minute obviously al pacino is big boy caprice uh was in makeup all the time and i read some funny story about like he was eating spaghetti in the makeup and the makeup people freaked out and were like no more spaghetti <laughs> you're gonna ruin the makeup and like there was like they called they had like makeup security walking around with the actors to make sure they didn't do anything to mess up the makeup um like warren Beatty went he did he spared no expense in the in the look of the movie like the makeup and the the costumes and the sets um the matte paintings are amazing i love oh my god all the the matte paintings in the background this is one of the the last movies i feel like that was using the matte paintings that extensively is what i was reading so um just a gorgeous looking movie which i think is, is something that everybody agrees on i think even if you don't like the movie you're like well it looks amazing you know oh yeah like i i don't know if i've ever seen a movie even deal with matte paintings this well like the way they integrate the matte paintings with the real actual footage of cars driving by or guys walking around and, and giant long shots is astounding like he really creates an entire world here 
um, in a way that like Batman kind of started to hint at, but then Warren Beatty like really takes that and run with runs with it. But speaking of Batman, I'm guessing you don't have this problem because if this movie is your biggest, is your earliest movie memory, um, you're probably not comparing it to Batman as much. But when I watch it and Batman is a movie that's like burned into my DNA. Uh, I loved it when I was a kid, but I honestly love it more than ever now. Like I just always fall more in love with that movie. This movie feels like such a direct Batman ripoff in like every way. And I'm constantly watching it like, well, Batman did this better. Batman did this better. (laughs) Batman did this better. And it's kind of a block for me, I admit. Okay, that's fair. (laughs) Especially, you know what really is like the cherry on top of that? The Danny Elfman score. I think really is like... It's like the the capper on yeah this is like Batman and the the thing was apparently they had either Batman had just finished or they were making this before Batman had even come out so the all the the stuff that kind of is the same kind of most of it you know just kind of coincidental. Oh, um, that's interesting. Yeah, I was surprised too. I was like, oh okay. Um, it was too. It was like it would have been very uh, impossible, I think, for them to be ripping them off directly unless they went back and shot some stuff i don't know uh i'm sure the elfman score he probably was taking a lot from his own batman score but um so it's funny you bring this up because um the other movie i would say is like something i remember being super young and burning my dna is the 89 batman it's like the movies i remember the earliest that were just always in my life were this and batman and ghostbusters and i don't know that's probably the big three is like three movies that like are probably three of the first movies I remember and watching over and over and over. And so Batman and Dick Tracy are kind of almost like of a piece to me. (laughs) Like they're, they kind of go together. And obviously I had no idea about like, I was a kid. So I didn't know if they, when they came out or, you know, very young kids. I was like, I don't know when they came out. I didn't know the critical reception. I didn't know people thought of them. It's so funny because this just came up in the last episode with Patrick, which unfortunately you've not heard yet, but we were talking about just when you were so, when you were young, kind of being able to enjoy things in a, in a bubble. And how nice that was <laughs> like um pretty sure the example i use like i always would would be that my reaction to like last action hero was me just being like oh i love this movie it's one of the best movies i've ever seen and have having no idea that there it bombed and it wasn't critically received um so i never heard anybody say dick tracy was a batman rip i probably just thought oh cool it's more of the same or so you know it's like two movies i like i probably love they were so similar because I love both of them. So I'm like, yeah, give me more of that. So <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. One thing that I, I miss from like watching movies as a kid is watching a movie over and over and over again oh and like God, really yeah. <laughs> like knowing it. And obviously I could do that now, but I don't almost ever because I'm there's always 20,000 movies in my head where it's like, well, I got to check this out. I got to check this out, you know? Oh yeah, that's that's like my daily struggle. It's like is like me the constant like push to watch new stuff, but then me thinking like, oh, I should probably rewatch something you know every once in a while. But um, which is why having the podcast actually is good because we'll do usually do up something we've already seen before, so it gives me a chance to rewatch stuff um, for the show. But yeah, otherwise, I'm just constantly pushing to to watch new things, and occasionally I get in the mood to be like, oh, I want to rewatch whatever movie but yeah it's as a kid i had like you know a very limited amount of like videotapes to watch like um and watch the same things over and over and over again and uh you kind of love stuff i think a little more that way when you get to just rewatch it constantly <laughs> it kind of becomes like a part of you and yeah i mean i don't think anybody does that as much anymore i'm sure some people rewatch movies all the time but like 
I think Mark Warner does. He talks about it a lot. (laughs) That's true. Um, Yeah. And I feel like I would say more, more normal people. Like I feel like watch the same movies over and over again. Um, uh, And good for them because I kind of envy that. I'm always like, I got to watch these new things. And I feel like I talk to my girlfriend. She's like, I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm watching a Raiders of the Lost Ark for the 15th time or something. (laughs) Like it's on TV. So I watched it like, um, so I think, I don't know, I guess it depends on your watching habits, but yeah, I do miss when like, I just would watch things over and over and like really fall in love with them. Cause even if I love something now, I almost think how much am I really going to re- rewatch it? Like, you know, twice a year at the most, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a different time I would say. <laughs> yeah. I always love it when the rewatching spark happens with me, which is very rare and I can't plan it. But like <laughs> when once upon a time in Hollywood hit Blu-ray, I think I watched it three times that week and like that never happens. But like every once in a while, like there's just a movie where I just can't get enough of it. And I love it when that happens, but it is rare. Yeah. I mean, when you have so many options at your fingertips, it almost feels like, I I mean, you don't feel this way, but I feel like I'm like, I have all these things to explore. I should, I should watch them. (laughs) So, Oh, I don't know. Constant, a constant struggle. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Dick Tracy, again, I don't think I'd watch, before F this movie fest a couple of years ago, I don't think I'd even watch it in a very long time, but one of those movies that as soon as you put on, I remember like every single like moment of it, <laughs> like every beat. Um, it's, it's crazy how much I watched this movie as a kid. Like, um, okay. So much to talk about. I am curious your take, especially since you watch this as an adult um, for the first time, wh- what are your thoughts on, um, Charlie Corsmo plays the kid. I think he's great. Like, I really, really do. And I think he's like a great kid's way into this movie Mm -hmm. because it does seem weird to pitch a movie to kids that's about a cop versus a crime lord. And honestly, like this kind of goes back to your little thing about Walter Hill. Um, You know, Walter Hill could have made that movie and I bet it would have been good. But cop versus crime lord gritty realistic movies are a dime a dozen. And we have a lot of them. So if you're going to make a Dick Tracy movie, something specific and something adapting a comic book for kids, um, Beatty's version is definitely more the way to go. And I think that kid is a great way in. Uh, I think he gives a really good performance. He was one of like the it kid actors in this time period with Macaulay Culkin because he's the kid in Hook and in What About Bob, which is a movie I love. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I think he's terrific. I think he's very charming. Um, and I totally like you know, I don't ever want him to go to the orphanage. I'm like, come on, Dick Tracy, adopt this kid. Get married to your girlfriend. Stop being a 45 year old who's afraid of commitment. My God. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how much that's a running theme through the movie is like middle-aged man afraid of commitment. It's like, it's, really, if you don't have the kid as like the end, it's like, this is a weird movie for kids. I mean, I'm glad they added him because I he was definitely my way in because I'm like, oh, I could be Dick Tracy's partner, you know, as like a four-year-old or whatever. And like, um, I do think he's kind of good. He's kind of a little shit, but I think that's definitely part of the character. <laughs> like, um, he's a little he's a little scamp, as they would say, <laughs> like um, running off. Um, uh, I do love, there's that montage when they're taking him around doing stuff and he's like, and always the punctuation is like, like, when do we eat? When do we eat? <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Which is a funny gag. Uh, I, for some reason, uh, as a kid, that scene when they first find the kid uh, and they take him to the diner always made me very hungry. Just a random note. I remember thinking, 
because he funny. eats all this uh, he eats all this food and i remember always thinking i was a kid i was like oh that always made me hungry because he was just like chowing down all this food i'm like i'm hungry now uh so random, <laughs> random memory um okay because i know child actors are like if you didn't see it when you were a kid some people i think are annoyed by the kid actor or the child actor but like yeah he was pretty good um i love him and can't hardly wait too i don't know if you saw that if you i totally forgot he's in that movie yeah yeah that's he's pretty great matt um and I read that, I don't know how close it was to happening, but Macaulay Culkin was almost the kid in this. I'm sure. I mean, that totally makes sense. Yeah, He's the go-to. He went with Home Alone instead. So probably a good choice on his part. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Um, <laughs> but uh, I could I could, I could, have seen him as the kid in this, but um, he's fun. I, I feel like uh, I was thinking about this. Like when you're young, you're like, oh man, maybe this is me. But like, oh yeah, Madonna maybe is the way to go. But you know, when you get older, Glenn Headley, Tess Trueheart, that's the move right there, Dick Tracy. That's the, you need to settle down with Tess because I love her in this movie. I think she's great. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> she, she. I mean, she's, you know, she's very beautiful. So it's not as if he's going with like the less beautiful version, really. Right. Um, yeah, she's great in it. Uh, she, I, I like the three of them together. They're a fun little trio. Um, it just drives me crazy that Dick Tracy's such a doof. And like, again, I'm like, you're 45, dude. You need to marry your girlfriend. <laughs> My God. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, she she is terrific and she's a saint for sticking with him. <laughs> <laughs> she really, oh, she really is. This time, I think I was noticing it more than ever because I was thinking like, you, I feel like it was like a thing I was saying in my head. I was like, youth is thinking, oh, Madonna's the hot one. You go with her. But age and wisdom is like, no, no. Glenn Headley and Tess Trueheart is the cool one. You go with her. Because um, she seems just like a cool, I don't know. I just like her attitude. I know that she wins the kid over by, you know, like doing some cool stuff, like throwing the, the baseball or whatever, I think. And he's like, oh, you're pretty good for a dame or whatever. <laughs> it's a lot of like, you're pretty good for a dame. But um, yeah, he's kind of a shit, Dick Tracy. I was like, you're kind of earning the name Dick here. <laughs> Because he literally is like making out Madonna in like their his apartment or her apartment. I can't remember which apartment it is. And uh, um, they come home and she sees it and just kind of goes back in the hallway. And then it's super awkward for everybody. <laughs> and Madonna leaves. But I'm like, man, I can't believe she stuck with this guy because he's just like blatantly like kissing Madonna, you know. And um, he can't even claim like he played the whole like oh she kissed me defense or whatever <laughs> but um but my god tess is uh she's really ride or die for dick tracy and it's like i kind of own point think i don't know if you deserve her dick tracy you've been really shitty to her <laughs> this whole time he also never apologizes for kissing madonna like when tess leaves right. and he's all like oh i want tess back i'm like have you considered apologizing it might be a good start <laughs> oh have you have you considered that apologize for kissing another woman yeah that's uh yeah, he never really, I don't think he apologized. I can't remember if he actually says, I'm sorry for anything, but. Uh, nope. Nope. <laughs> or apologizing <laughs> no. for violating people's rights, which he does almost immediately in this movie. <laughs> and constantly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, he's just going out. And I was thinking, okay, we might need to get into this because somebody pointed out, and I'd already was thinking it, um, the third act of the movie, uh, <laughs> I feel. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just imagining Al Pacino waddling around, dragging Lynn he Glenn Headley around, mumbling. Yeah. Tracy, Tracy, Tracy. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta find Tracy. Uh, <laughs> um, God, the, the third act is kind of a mess, and someone pointed out like a lot of things that uh, you know. I don't. This movie was apparently was cut down too. I think Warren Beatty had like a 
like maybe a cut that was like half an hour longer. Release uh, the baby cut. Yeah, <laughs> release the baby cut. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's about as I think as it is. I'm like it's long enough. I can't imagine a two hour, fifteen minute version of Dick Tracy. I'm like I think we're good. With the, <laughs> I agree. Maybe some things were missing because the third act. It's like so Dick Tracy's in jail because he's been framed. Um, his two buddies just uh, come bust him out, which I I can believe that his friends would just be like, we know you didn't murder a god. But then then he knows to go right to the club. For some reason, there's a room that is like a safe room with a skylight which doesn't make any sense um <laughs> they uh, uh al pacino escapes with tess um everyone knows to go there <laughs> the kid the blank is we'll get into who the blank is uh, i don't want to spoil that right away um they all know to go to that bridge um was there anything i don't really understand the blank's plan like what <laughs> like no. what no i don't i and i've never really I, as a child especially i didn't think that deeply about it but i don't so, spoiler alert, uh, the blank is Madonna, is Breathless Mahoney. Um, and I, the, I will say this, I, as, as a kid, too, you probably understand, but as a kid, that blank scared the shit out of me. Because the way the way they shoot them, um, especially early on, like, in the shadows, and just that, that blank face and the voice, like, really creeped me out. And... I listen as a kid. I was blown away by the twist that that was Madonna. I was like, "What? A dame?" No, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> um, it blew me away. I don't know. So the first time you watched this was for after this movie fest, right? Yes. Were, did did you know this was happening? Like the blank was her, or no, no, okay. I didn't. So it was a surprise. Um, yeah, I I mean, I've never been scared by the blank, but uh, <laughs> I think the blank looks very cool. I like the mask and the voice sounds exactly like Bounty Hunter Leia, the opening of Return oh of the God. Jedi to me. <laughs> yeah, I didn't thought of that. Wow. It does sound just like that voice, that weird, like, you raspy. frozen in carbonite. Exactly <laughs> like that. <laughs> Tracy. Yeah, it's, uh, although I was looking at the, ma- the blank mask and it looks like it has two nose holes and that's it. I'm like, how the fuck is Madonna seen out of this mask? <laughs> Like, yeah, you know, you know, it. <laughs> I got questions. Um, oh, also, this is, I just thought it was really funny. There was, um, there was obviously a lot of Dick Tracy merchandise. There was a line of action figures, which I think I had almost every one of, except for the blank, because the blank is a very hard figure to find because the toy spoils the twist of the movie. The blank, oh. the blank toy in the, in the, like when you see it in the case, uh, it is the blank face and the suit and everything, but you can pull the face off and reveal that it's Madonna. <laughs> and they realized, oh shit, I don't know how this got past my people. They we, we spoiled them and it came out way before the movie. So they spoiled the movie. So they recalled the figure and now it's like a three to four thousand dollar action figure. <laughs> like if you have it in the case. Um and I just thought that was funny. I'm like, this happens multiple times where they somehow spoil things with merchandise. I think I just heard about Stranger Things, like a Monopoly game spoiled. I don't know what it spoiled, thankfully, but I just heard that it spoiled the new season. <laughs> like, oh, wow. I didn't know that still happened because I knew that used to be a common thing. And and I, I, I think in general, our culture used to be a lot less spoiler phobic than we are now. Like we're getting increasingly spoiler phobic to a bit of a comical degree. Um, <laughs> but that surprises me that that's still happening. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I mean, I guess it wasn't as much of a problem in 1990 because if, I mean, it, you know, if unless you found it yourself, had some friend who had it, like, how would you know about the toy and the spoiler? But, um, but yeah, it's just funny that they had to pull it immediately. Like, oh shit, we spoiled the movie. Get it back. So, um, I yeah, the, I don't understand Madonna's plan. I mean, I guess she's trying to punish the criminals, but it did the the. I don't. I don't. <laughs> like, I was trying to put it together, and I'm like, I don't know if I need to make sense of this, but um, 
yeah, I, I think she just wants to get kind of revenge on the bad guys, but her whole relationship with Dick Tracy is weird to me. I don't, I don't know what the, the deal is, but I, you know, <laughs> so I don't get it either. Cause she's like immediately in love with him. And I don't know why. Cause I'm like, I mean, he's very good looking, but it, I mean, this kind of gets into my thoughts about Warren Beatty in this movie, but like, there's no charisma. He's not an interesting person. He never says anything cool or charming. I'm like, why are you immediately like, let's run away together. I love you so much. Fuck me right now. I don't know. <laughs> but he does punch a lot of people. That's so true. He does Punching that can be sexy. <laughs> he, man, I forgot how much he punched people in this movie because he just, it, his punch seems like he could just take anybody out. He's just like one punch in everybody. <laughs> I'm like, that's a Dick Tracy move. I'm just going to punch you out. I'm going to punch out maybe 10 guys at once. It's like, I'll punch away my problems is basically. Well, it's his... very 1940s leading man, you know? So oh, that works. Yeah. That's true. That is true. He's just, um, he's punching more guys than uh, I think you said Elvis in an Elvis movie. He gets into all those things. <laughs> it's just re-listening your Elvis episode and I just laugh each man how many times Elvis gets into fist fights in his Constantly. his movies. Him and Elvis versus Dick Tracy is a a, a match I want to see. <laughs> a oh, punching so battle. Um, okay, the, your point about Warren Beatty I think is fair because this time I was thinking, man, I think with all the stuff happening in this movie. I think Warren Beatty may be like one of the most, the least interesting parts of the movie. And maybe he was okay with that by design. I mean, he lets all his supporting people, like, I feel like steal the show. And I don't know if that's by design or if that's just how it worked out, because I just feel like, like everything around him is just more interesting than than him in this movie. I totally agree with that. And I, and people say that a lot about Batman, but I totally disagree with it about Batman because I think Michael Keaton is awesome in that movie. I think I he's very yeah. interesting. He's my favorite part of the movie. Like for me, Jack Nicholson does not steal the show. I think Keaton rules in that movie. Um, but uh, yeah, I think he's really boring. I don't really care for him. He wasn't always supposed to play the lead. Like there were a lot of other people considered um, the list that I saw on Wikipedia, at least. So, you know, take it with some kind of grain of salt is Harrison Ford, Richard Gere, Tom Selleck, and Mel Gibson. And I think all those could have been interesting. I actually think, I think the way to go would have been Tom Selleck. I think he would have been awesome. He didn't really have a franchise or anything. Um, I think he could have more believably been like the tough guy badass than Warren Beatty can. And if you watch him in something like Three Men and a Baby or even Friends, like he's got a really charming comedic side to him too. And I think he could have been like great with the kid. That's kind of the alternate universe of this movie. I wish I could have seen. That's a good pick. I, I, yeah, out of that list, it's him or I thought Harrison Ford was the, the two I could see. But Harrison Ford playing Dick Tracy would be very close to Indiana Jones. I feel like it's like, yeah. oh, this time he wears a yellow hat and punches people. It's like, well, that's, <laughs> you know, um, but Tom Selleck's good. Tom Selleck deserves more of a shot at being like a uh, leading actor. Of course, I think he famously lost out on Indiana Jones because of, um magnum pi commitments i believe yeah. is the story um so yeah he could he could have definitely been that because he's he's funny and charming and i feel like i mean i don't dislike warren bay in this movie i just thought he's like the least interesting part of the movie and like um you know it's it's just like i mean it, when you're acting against people like al pacino's big boy caprice it's like it's tough to how do you how do you go against that? <laughs> like, uh, as we mentioned, Oscar nominated Al Pacino for this movie, which <laughs> God bless the Oscars for nominating him as big boy Caprice. Cause it's, uh, I mean, he's going for it. It's like, it's like Al Pacino goes for it a lot um, in a lot of movies, but um, I feel like just with the makeup on everything, he was like, 
I'm really going to go for it. Dick Tracy. <laughs> like, Oh, I'm trying to resist the urge to a bunch of Al Pacino impressions, but I, <laughs> it would just be me going like, Ooh, ah, like, you know, just <laughs> Tracy. <laughs> like he, I love him in this. He's so much fun. <laughs> Uh, I don't under, here's, I'm, okay. I don't know what he's doing in this movie. Like, I don't understand the thought process or like, it feels like he's like, well, Jack Nicholson was way too subtle as the Joker. So, and I think Jack Nicholson is awesome in the, as the Joker. Um, he does go over the top, but I think he still keeps it grounded enough that he fits the tone of the movie, but also he's supposed to be an absolute raving lunatic. Like that's the character. And I don't know why this mob boss is like way more crazy and over the top than the Joker has ever been. And uh, I think the face makeup works, but the back makeup is so obviously like pillows under his shirt, (laughs) even to the point that the suspenders are like pressing into it in a way that like it would not press into your back. (laughs) So it's so obvious. I didn't even notice this. (laughs) It's a good point. I didn't like even waddling around yeah. like Danny DeVito and Batman returns. <laughs> it's so crazy. Oh, it's, it's hard for me to separate myself from all the craziness of Dick Tracy, because again, solid as a kid. So I, I think I just accept all these insane things happening. Like, and I probably have not, I've not noticing details like the, the spenders pushing at the back, but, um, uh, you know, I don't know. I, uh, I don't know. I, I like when Al Pacino kind of goes big and, or does weird stuff. And I mean, that's, that's this movie for sure. <laughs> so, um, he, he, he's, he's going for it. And he got that Oscar nomination. I don't know how, like, I don't know how, but he did it. Um, I get kind of not maybe being totally into it though, but, um, I mean, I, he probably looked around and was like, it's all what, what he was working with, like the, how crazy the set looked and all the colors. I mean, I just was like, you know what? I, I and Warren Beatty's like, oh, we're, you know, we're this is the comic book strip, you know, we're, we're going over the top. And, and Al Pacino's like, you got it. Like, <laughs> like I'm gonna bring it. <laughs> um, yeah, because he's pretty, um, he's pretty insane in this movie. Um, I always laugh. I mean, it's really insane the scene when he's trying to like work on the song with Madonna. Like, <laughs> oh my god, yes. <laughs> He's coaching. He's coaching. Uh, <laughs> more, more, more. <laughs> and he's just like repeating lines that she's singing. Like my favorite one is she just sings a guy I love. And he goes, a guy I love. And he's just repeating words back. <laughs> the other thing I don't love about oh. Al Pacino in this is I feel like only maybe half of his lines are scripted. It feels like most of the time he's just kind of mumbling utter nonsense. And I, I don't know why, like there's a scene towards the end and it's the climax of the scene. It's right before the scene cuts where he's talking to Madonna, no, Glenn Headley. And he goes, I have a thought it's coming. It's coming. It's gone. And then the scene cuts. I'm like, what? That part is so weird. I was noticing it this time and I felt like I'd forgotten about it. And I was like, what was the point of that? Why did they leave that in the movie? He's just I have a mumbling. It's, it's gone. Uh, yeah, it's very... I mean, it's weird, but I can't like, I mean, it's memorable. I remember him more than I do remember Born Beatty in the movie, <laughs> you know, for better or worse. Um, uh, God, he, uh, I do love, I mean, yeah, like you point out kind of earlier, I think with the, the Batman comparisons, like his death is, is almost exactly the same as Joker in Batman 89, like, except way more anticlimactic, but yes. Well, yeah, that's, <laughs> this is true. Um, but the, 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 the way that he's dispatched is like almost identical and looks very similar and, um, yeah, very weird coincidence. Um, uh, you mentioned him mumbling lines. How do you feel about Dustin Hoffman as mumbles? 
I utterly despise him. <laughs> I think he is terrible in this movie. Okay, this is the one where I go, I don't know what he's fucking doing. <laughs> like, I, I'm with that one. I, I don't know. I've always been weirded out by this performance ever since I was a little kid. Like, I just found it very odd and weird, and I felt like I didn't get get it at all. And this, there's two two people in the movie that I felt stupid for. It took, I, I was a little kid, so I actually felt stupid, but I didn't know who they were for years. And I'm like, I didn't know Mumbles was Dustin Hoffman for years. And I didn't know that I believe he's the DA. I didn't know that was Dick Van Dyke, even though it's very obvious. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's very, barely wearing makeup. I know. It's like very clearly Dick Van Dyke. But, uh, and I'd seen Mary Poppins many, many times, Dick Van Dyke show as a kid, but uh, didn't recognize him. Also, I think I recognize James Conn, but um, uh, he, yeah. James Conn's not even wearing makeup. He's like the <laughs> one guy who's like, I'll wear a mustache and that is fucking it. Oh, I must. Have, I think I have facial blindness. I don't know. What's going <laughs> on. I don't know. Um, again, this is when I was a kid, and I think I just wasn't paying attention. And years later, then I recognized them. I think when I was paying attention, I was like, you know, I'd seen the movie my whole life, and then as a kid, and then like one viewing, it clicked. Where I'm like, oh, that's James Caan. Oh, that's Dick Van Dyke. Like um, Dustin Hoffman's mumbles. I, I don't understand <laughs> this whole thing. Like, I don't know if they think it's funny or um, I, I do love that they kind of like it's so bizarre the way they interrogate him with like the, the, the polar bear water pitcher thing. And then they get the water and yeah, it's like, then he can talk normally. It, the, it's a very bizarre touch. Um, <laughs> I did think it was funny. This is just an example of like, I love how detailed everything is even down to like, I remember distinctly that polar bear water pitcher being such a weird uh, eclectic little touch to the scene. Like somebody, like just a weird thing to pick out, but it's so memorable. That's a, like the movie feels so like every, the radios look cool. Like they're all these, like every little like piece of set decoration, set design, I feel like just looks so cool. Um, and it's memorable. And like, they put so much thought into it. Like, I love that it feels very like, I don't know, handmade's the right way, uh, right word, but like the care put into this movie is like really impressive. I, I, and like just down to like those little details about like the radios and the water coolers and like things like that um, are just so interesting to me. Oh, totally. I, I could not agree more. The movie looks amazing. <laughs> like I, I, the thing for me is like, I think this movie is an amazing technical achievement. I love to look at it. I like some of the supporting characters, but it, what it boils down to is like, I don't think the plot is interesting. I think the hero is boring. And I think the villain is kind of annoying. And, <laughs> and the other thing is, I don't think they well communicate why we should hate Al Pacino, where like, I think they really well communicate in Batman that the Joker is a horrible person and he does horrible things and he should be stopped. And I don't think they very well communicate that in this. It's just kind of like, well, he's a mobster and he wants to hit the big time and make everyone pay a small tax to him so he can get rich. And I'm like, well, it's not really near as interesting as the Joker, like, you know, drugging all of these products. So it kills you and turns you into like Joker monsters. Um, <laughs> it's just like, uh, like I, I wish, I don't know. Like, I wish we could have maybe personally seen him do something incredibly evil, like kill the kid's parents, or I'm not necessarily saying they should have done that, but like something to communicate to us that this is an utter bastard and Dick Tracy's got to take him down. That's a great point. Cause I mean, honestly, it kind of boils down to like, well, he does crimes. I feel like that's what yeah. it's like. He, do crime. Do crime. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> basically, it. And I don't, we don't see him do much. Uh, is he personally there when they 
try to give that one guy a, a concrete uh okay yes he is. Okay. but that guy's another criminal right that's true <laughs> yeah. he, most of his actions seems like it's toward other criminals there's those guys in the meeting they go outside and the car blows up um the i believe the guy they put in concrete is that paul servino as lips manless was that lips <laughs> yeah <laughs> i find his character design kind of disturbing i do not like looking there's a part where he's like eating oysters or sucking oysters yeah. and i'm like ooh, ooh, i don't like that um so i'm kind of maybe i'm on al pacino's side when i'm like yeah get rid of that guy Al. <laughs> that guy's gross lips manless i don't like him and then they um yeah put him in this concrete bath one part i'm baffled by is when dick tracy shows up to that warehouse again where they're putting people in concrete in boxes and he tries to rescue his friend who was his name might be bugs who was bugging because that's most people's name uh, in this movie. It's like whatever they look like or whatever they do, that's their name. Um, he tried to save his friend and like it's a really quick edit or a cut. Like Dick Tracy opens the box with his friend getting poured concrete and he goes to pull him out and then it cuts back to the two other guys, the criminals in the building and they cut back and Dick Tracy's fucking covered in concrete. <laughs> and then his gun doesn't even work. Yeah. So he I'm doesn't like, even do anything. How did you get covered in like two seconds ago? You stuck an arm to grab the guy and then you turn around. Look, you look, you fully doused yourself in the concrete. And I'm just like, how did that happen? But um, it's a minor thing I noticed. Yeah. And the gun doesn't work. And luckily, uh, I believe the blank saves in that time. Or is it? I think it's the blank. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was really shit of luck on that one. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, all your points are definitely valid i think the plot is by far the weakest part of the movie for me because it's it's barely like it's not there's not much to it and it's it doesn't make much sense if you start like kind of breaking it down um and i don't know it's hard the warren bay thing is tough because like it again so i was a little kid i was just like oh he's dick crazy like he's cool like you know um he's got a yellow coat he punches people <laughs> It was very, it was very much like, I think I just bought into like, oh, he's the star of the movie. Therefore, you know, he's the hero and I'm fine with him. But um, it is funny looking back that like they sold like, I don't know how old Warren Beatty was at the time, but this guy who looked like he was like 50 years old to me um, as like the hero of like a kid's movie. And like, he's not like the most, uh, I don't know what the word is, like a badass type of guy. <laughs> like, um I don't know. I, I mean, but I, it's, that's a hard thing for me to like kind of separate, but I, I definitely see if you're like, he's not that interesting. I'm like, yeah, I get it. I get it. Uh, because I, I do think now watching again, like everything else around him is, is more interesting. Even like the Madonna performance is more interesting. Cause I'm like, well, what are you doing? Madonna? But um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's uh, that's an interesting take to hear. Cause again, we come from very different places in this movie. So um, I get it. I get it actually. <laughs> Yeah, and the movie's totally watchable. It's great to look at. Um, it's not boring, and uh, and I have the Blu-ray on my shelf, and it's not going anywhere. You know, like it doesn't overstay its welcome. Well under two hours, and uh, it's like a three out of five for me. So I do feel a little bit bad if like you were hoping to really geek out with somebody about how much you love this movie. <laughs> so I'm not. I just can't pretend to be that guy. Quite. I'm not quite there. But it's, you know, like I said, totally watchable. That's okay. This is probably good to balance me out because if I had like someone else on here who was just like, I love it because I recognize my I have an insane bias toward this movie because, like I said, live with it. I was like, can I remember? And I would probably give it way too much leeway. But no, this time watching it, I think I was more critical probably because I was thinking doing the podcast on it. And I was like, this movie has some problems. <laughs> like if you'd asked me 20 years ago or, if, you know, whatever, I've been like, oh, Dick Tracy perfect movie great movie now i'm like yeah, it has some flaws like you know what i mean like i can admit there's some problems with dick tracy but um also i just can't help but admire it for 
like how kind of good it looks and how unique it is in like a sea of like I know it's uh, that people are so probably tired of this. I'm probably tired of saying it, but of how like we don't get movies like this anymore, but we we really don't. And we at the time it was weird to see a movie that looked like this because it was so different then. And it's I think it and now it looks even better by comparison because things just don't look like this. They aren't made like this anymore. Um, so that kind of helps me admire it a little more for from that perspective too. Yeah, I think it's kind of a shame that this movie is such a technical achievement in such a specific way and nobody really took this and ran with it. Nobody right. else like they <laughs> should be they should be making musicals like this. Like like okay, think of I don't even know if you saw this movie, probably not, <laughs> but think if the greatest showman looked like this. I and actually I saw the, the greatest showman. Oh, okay, cool. I like <laughs> the greatest showman, but like make it look theatrical like Dick Tracy with like matte paintings and stuff. Like man, it would have looked so cool. Yeah, actually, you know, it's funny. Ken Walker, uh, Texas Ranger, made me watch uh, that movie. <laughs> him and his, him and his now wife and fiance were like, were like, listen, I know you don't like musicals, but you should watch this one. And they forced me to watch it, and I was like, okay, guys, that was that was good. It was like it was solid. <laughs> but um, uh, so yeah, that would have looked. Yeah, I can't I, now. I'm trying to remember the visual, like how that looked, but um, it, of course, it would look better if it looked like Dick Tracy. <laughs> I'm sure, but um. Oh, I forgot to mention this earlier when you mentioned the Sondheim songs in this movie. And it's funny because you might be shocked to hear this, that I dated, I used to date somebody who was a big musical theater, like nerd and loved a lot of stuff. And I was the complete opposite. And she was always trying to get me into it. And I felt like she would play me songs. And my favorite ones, the ones I thought were like the best, catchiest songs were almost always from Stephen Sondheim. So oh, I'm right on. Yeah. Like whenever she played. His stuff, I'm like, it seemed to work, but I wouldn't even know it was him. But then I'd say, I was like, what musical is this from? Or who who did this? She's like, oh, it's Sondheim. And that was her favorite kind of composer was Sondheim. And I feel like I like his stuff. So yeah, the songs in this movie work pretty well for me. And I think I'm just a kind of a fan of, of his uh, musical stuff more than anybody else I could think of. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I, I think he's very talented. That, that was stuff I usually like the best, but I still not fully into it, but but I can like some of it. <laughs> I'm not totally anti-musical people. <laughs> So, well, I will say, and I, I normally don't want to try to push you into musicals because, you know, you like what you like. But one day, if you ever get in the mood, like maybe check out Guys and Dolls, because like I said, it's the only movie I've ever seen that kind of that looks a lot like Dick Tracy, uh, except I think it has a better plot. It has better characters and it's not Sondheim, but I think the songs are really, really good. So maybe one day pop it in and see what you think. I might, especially you telling me that it's his songs and it looks like Tate Tracy. I'm like, well, that's probably enough to at least put on my radar. <laughs> so if I'm in a musical mood, that would probably be the one I would go to now that you've, you've mentioned it. So um, trying to think what else will say about Tate Tracy here, because I feel like we covered a lot pretty quickly, which is good for the show, because I feel like I usually don't move things along very well. But um, ah, man. Um, so yeah, we kind of covered how long uh, the lifespan of how long it took to get, took to get made, because like, they had it forever and then batman came out they were like make dick tracy now and uh marketed the hell out of it um did you hear the idea that they had for like the the premiere midnight screenings of dick tracy i thought it was actually pretty fun no i haven't they so when it came out in 1990 they were doing like midnight premieres but the the theaters weren't allowed to sell tickets they had to sell people t-shirts and the t-shirt has like an admit one um, ticket with the Dick Tracy kind of like poster on it and you had to wear the t-shirt like they sold it in advance you had to wear the t-shirt to the, the midnight screening you get in there was no physical ticket sold it was all the t-shirt that's <laughs> so still, cool yeah and apparently you could still buy the t-shirt um, like you can find them on eBay 
but uh i was like more movies should do that it's a cool way to like get in for a premiere um highest it's also person. funny it's also oh. funny because dick tracy would never wear a t-shirt like they should have <laughs> passed out yellow hats or something yeah he's only wearing suits i was thinking like <laughs> you ever get hot because you're like wearing a suit with a yellow coat on top of it i'm like it just looks like a lot of layers but <laughs> that during every old movie especially when yeah. like people talk about how it's hot and they roll up their sleeves and i'm like can you just not wear a suit maybe but no nobody did that back then <laughs> wasn't allowed um <laughs> it wasn't high, allowed. <laughs> highest grossing film of warren Beatty's career but that was interesting um warren Beatty wanted bob fossey to direct this but fossey turned him down <laughs> well there you go more musical comparison yeah yeah um and martin scorsese was a fan of the dick tracy comic strip considered directing this one point but he lost interest and chose to make goodfellas instead so we all win in that situation what an idiot I know. <laughs> <laughs> total miss there martin uh it's like you're really fucked up marty um uh i think that's about it that i could think of um yeah we, they marketed the hell out of this movie this was originally slated as a Disney, a Walt Disney like pictures release, but they pass it on to Touchstone as the more adult label, basically all because of Madonna <laughs> is what I read, uh, which makes sense because I'm like, this is really pushing it. Um, and oh, there's a scene where Dick Tracy leaps off the side of a building onto a lamppost Did you, and the guy smashes his face into the lamppost. I don't know if you notice this or not. It's like he you jumps mean on like it's a goof. It's kind of a goof. They left it in the movie, uh, but and then someone asked Warren Beatty about the stunt man, and he was like, "Stunt man, that was me." It's like he's like, "I smacked my face in the lamppost." Oh, like, funny! I remember that scene, but I don't remember the face smack. I noticed it this time. I really don't think I noticed it before. And I did notice, like, oh my god, I think the guy. I thought that guy just smacked the shit out of his face on that lamppost, and he did. And it was Warren. Ba- Warren Beatty claims it was him. So, um, that's cool. Yeah, I think that's all. Like the kind of fun trivia I wanted to mention that I pulled out here, but um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the movie definitely has flaws. Uh, and so I'm kind of glad you were here to kind of balance me out because, uh, yeah, I mean, it's good to have someone else's perspective, especially you saw it, you know, so much more recently than me and came out from a whole different perspective. So, um, yeah, anything else you want to say, Dick Tracy? Or, um, Well, can I just say, and I'm sure this will come up many times during this month for you, that I just think it's so weird that in the 90s, they decided the reaction to Batman was to adapt comic books like this and the shadow and stuff. <laughs> yeah, because it seemed well, I, you know, benefit of hindsight, but it seems so obvious, like do other superheroes, like even just DC superheroes, like make a Flash movie, make a Green Lantern movie. That just seems like the obvious move. But that is not what they thought to do. And um, <laughs> even though they kept making Batman movies, they did not adapt like pretty much any other comic books until you get around to Blade in 98. And I just think that is so bizarre. It's such a weird little thing that happened in film history. Yes, I'm glad you kind of brought this up. I, I, I meant to say kind of beginning, but um, yeah, it's bizarre. Even when I was kind of younger and I kind of got a little past it, I was like, why did they make all these like very old hero superhero things? And like, you think the obvious route to go is to make more Marvel or DC. So especially DC, like as far as I know, Warner Brothers kind of had the in, I don't know if it was just for, I can't imagine it was only Batman Superman. Like if, if Warner Brothers had been like, hey, can we get Wonder Woman or The Flash or anything? Like they had a working relationship. So I don't know why that didn't happen. <laughs> like it seems like the obvious, like, you know, well, Batman did well. Um, and then the Marvel stuff was kind of a mess because Marvel was in a weird place financially in the nineties. Um, and they had kind of had to sell off all their rights to their bunch of their characters, kind of like 
kind of uh, piecemeal, like kind of like, okay, you have this, like, that's why we have like a Canon pictures, Captain America. And like, I think uh, Roger Corman uh, did make a fantastic four that has like never officially seen the light of day. Um, Cause Marvel was just like, I don't think anyone understood what they had either. It was like the, the big business they could have done. So Marvel had kind of given these rights out to like random people <laughs> and uh, you know, the things weren't really happening. Um, I guess big things weren't really happening because that Captain America movie, I think comes out in 90. I think, I think you're right. Yeah. I think it's an Albert Pugh movie too. Um, it is. Yeah. So I, I think they just were not organized. <laughs> like, you know, it's funny now Marvel's such a, a well-oiled machine. And it's so funny to think in the nineties, they basically were like flailing their arms, like throwing their characters out to anybody and like not getting their shit together until yeah, like blade. And then of course, X-Men and, and uh, Spider-Man, all that stuff. But those were all made by different companies. Yeah, because like Blade's New Line, X-Men is Fox, Spider-Man's Sony, I think Columbia at the time. Um, so yeah, it's just weird. But yeah, I guess, I, yeah, with this, it's like so weird because like Batman 89 is kind of retro in that way where it kind of feels like it's out of time from any specific time. You know what I mean? It has like a 30s, 40s feel, even though it's made in 89. Um, so maybe it's just so weird. They looked at that and goes, that's what the kids want. They want retro. They want retro superhero. <laughs> and it's like, as a kid at that time, I mean, I ate it up. I watched all these movies we're going to talk about. Um, like, I I felt like I was into it because um, I love the Rocketeer. At the time, I love the Shadow and the Phantom. I still really enjoy them. I think the Phantom is more than the Shadow. But like, again, they're going to be movies where they have flaws to talk about. But um but yeah, I, I mean, it was just weird. Like I was making a joke with somebody where I'm like, it was like back in my day, we didn't have Marvel movies. We had thirties and forties radio stars and we loved, it. <laughs> you know, that's what we had. And we took it um, very, it is bizarre. I don't know. They took like the wrong lessons. I feel like, you know, it's just so strange. Um, I don't think I mentioned this either. The other reason I did this kind of like, it worked out. I was thinking about doing this idea for all these retro heroes. And then I kind of looked at their release dates. I'm like, these all feel like summer movies. Every movie that we're going to talk about came out in June. Uh, so June oh, was really the month, cool. except for, I think the shadow came out like July 1st. So it like barely misses, you know? Um, but I, it's like every other one came out sometime in June, whatever year they came out. And like, cause yeah, Dick Tracy was June 15th, three days from my birthday. So um, yeah, like they're, they're all like June, which is a weird coincidence. So I was like, Oh, let's just do June then. Cause these are June movies for the most part. So um yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm sure we're going to talk about it a lot more with other people and the other movies. But um, yeah, Hollywood is weird sometimes. They get an idea in their head and they just, it's like its like a copycat industry where it's like, you know, they all have to do something. That's why they race movies in production that are like this, you know, it's like, oh, they're doing an asteroid movie. We have to do an asteroid movie. They're doing a volcano movie. We got to do a volcano movie. You know, it's like, it's so weird with Hollywood. It's like monkey see, monkey do, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a weird time, but it's fascinating, which is why I'm excited to do this whole series. So, um, yeah, well, I guess I guess that's Dick Tracy. So anything else in this one? No, I don't think so. Like, I, I think it's solid. I have a lot of problems with it, but um, <laughs> I had a lot of fun talking about it with you. And I'm very relieved to know that you're not upset about my weird relationship with the movie and it's not super interesting <laughs> not the kind of movie i could be upset with anybody for not liking you know i i it would be if someone said oh i think this looks like a, a you know like a shitty movie i'm like you think it looks bad i'd be like oh but if you have all the stuff you mentioned i think is very um reasonable <laughs> to have problems with so um 
so yeah, totally. I totally get it. I'm glad we got your perspective on uh on this one because it was different than my perspective. So it's always kind of more interesting. So um, yeah, I guess uh, if we're all, I think we're all good. So I, I will let you go ahead and plug all all your stuff. It's coming up on Cobwebs and people can follow you and all that stuff. Sure. Yeah. Well, a lot like you, I'm also doing a June series over at Cobwebs. We're doing a series called Fifties Drive-In. Uh, we're doing four total episodes all um, kind of fantasizing that we're at a drive-in in the 1950s and we're talking about sci-fi horror movies from that decade. Um, so the first episode will have already, I think already be posted or possibly just about to, is on Them, the giant killer ant movie. Um, Chris Hurtado and Mitch Oliver and I all talked about that. Oh, and man. we got a lot, yeah. <laughs> a lot Boys more are back fun, together. Yeah. A lot more fun black and white monster movies coming up. So um, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CobwebsPod and you can follow me personally on Twitter at EplerDaniel. Fantastic. Uh, man, I, you know, I'll listen to anything you do, but when you get you and Chris and Mitch together, that's like, like as chef's kiss, like I must listen immediately to, to any podcast <laughs> the three of you were doing. Cause that's like, it's a magic stuff, right? There. Uh, <laughs> so thanks man. It's always entertaining. Um, so, okay. Yeah. For all uh, our stuff, like I said, we're going to be doing more of these the month of June. Um, and there will still be an unscottable, uh, because Tony Scott's birthday is in June. So there'll be an unscottable coming out for deja vu. Um, I believe his birthday was June 21st. I'll double check. But um, so you'll get the superhero movies. We'll get to an unscottable still for Deja Vu. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at Maplay87. Uh, follow me and, or just, sorry, follow the podcast on Twitter at Film Feast Pod. Follow me and the podcast on Instagram at Film Feast. Um, and that's it. Thank you guys for listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody.